As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason DeHeras, current design director at Respawn Entertainment. So join us as we explore his journey. As always, if you haven't already done so, please consider giving Dev Dory a five-star review on podcast services and positive reviews everywhere else. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you as always, and enjoy an awesome episode. So today I'm joined by Jason. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's uh, as we we're just discussing prior to the show. I think this is about roughly three years in the making. I think we've been talking about it since not that long, maybe early 2020, not long after Jedi Fallen Order first came out. So it's it's been awesome to to finally get to chat and to have you on the show. This is a yeah really exciting moment for me, and it's it's great to have you on board. Yeah, likewise. You know, doing these type of things is always a certain bit of gymnastics I have to do. So yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice when things can finally work out. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey has led to this current point in time. And as much as, I mean, I'm, you know, we're, we're referencing obviously Star Wars Jedi there. You've got a, a really recent release in Survivor. Before we get to any of the more present day sort of activities, I'd love to rewind to a point prior to your career and talk about some of your first experiences with video games in the first place do you recall what the first game was you played or what some of the first games were that you encountered oh my first game yeah Yeah. i mean i think it was if not the first somewhere in the ballpark something on the atari 2600 i think it was um probably dodgem oh yeah yeah good lord good lord i'm really dating myself but yeah it's dodgem but i'm familiar and I just loved that game, I think, because there was, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're just trying to avoid obstacles, right? Or yeah, it was pretty much, yeah, that was my understanding. Pretty much obstacle avoidance, but, you know, it was like an action movie to me at that time when I was, I don't know, four, four years old or something. I have a picture of it somewhere, actually. Ah, very so, cool. Um, been playing probably since I came out the womb, pretty much, so. Yeah, it feels a little bit the same. So, I mean, for me, I was I was brought up, I I guess when I was about four or five, it was the Super Nintendo that was really starting to pop off for me at that point. And so I played a lot of those games, but my grandma, of all people, um, I mean, she was one of the ones that really stoked the video games thing in the first place, but she had the Atari at her place. So whenever we'd go over there, it'd be this really novel thing to try out totally different platform, totally different set of games. Yeah. And yeah, Dodgem was amongst those. There were several others too, but um, yeah, really, really cool title. But even before that, I think there was these handhelds, these old handhelds that were just like space blaster games, yep. or I don't know if this was after, but those Tiger Electronic handhelds. Oh yeah, Liquid Crystal games, like they they make them now again, but yep. they're yeah they like re-release them. Everything so like comes in cycles. Everything comes in cycles. <laughs> um, even the Mario Game and Watch, which comes in cycles. I used to have a lot of those. I lost them, and then when I was in Japan bought them back or bought the same ones yep. as much as I could. Um, so anything interactive, I've always been fascinated with, you know. And so you were bitten by that bug pretty early. How did things develop from there in terms of your taste? Did you really connect with any particular genres, franchises, individual games at all as you were growing up? I think similar with you after the Atari, the NES. Yep. Um, my mom got me a Rob 
ROB. Oh, nice. Set. It was, I think that's the only thing I got in for like a couple of years of Christmas. It was amazing, like taking that out of the box and like fiddling with the plates you put on the yeah. robot, right? Um, playing gyromite. Um, that was fascinating to have that kind of buddy or that input, that, that toy, that interface with what you're doing on screen. That was actually pretty ahead of its time, if you think oh, about for it. Sure. Um, and then obviously Super Mario Brothers, which was mind-blowing to me as a seven-year-old kid, I think. Yeah, so. It, it sounds like it'd be in the ballpark. NES Popeye, NES Popeye, um, Super Mario 2, 3. You know, I think I just played Mario's over and over, um, even Mario Brothers. Um, so I was obsessed with Mario. Let's let's just say that. Um, and the way you could control him and yeah. the way he interacted with the world and all the enemies, I think that left uh, just this burn in my brain that, like, okay, this is, a, this is what video games are. And even to this day, you know, it's just that simple. Mario was not simple, but, like, what you did was simple, but then how you interact with the world was... Quite complicated as a result. Quite complicated. So that left a imprint on me. Um, There's a lot of people these days who would know you for uh, some of your you know, really kind of combat-focused design. Uh, you've shared a lot on social media. Obviously, that was a big focus through numerous games that you've actually worked on and developed as well. Without jumping too far ahead and diving into those games per se, uh, was that something that, like, as, as you got exposed to, to more types of games growing up, was that something you found yourself connecting with or was that somewhere where you just kind of, I guess, found yourself as your career developed? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I was playing games up until, let's see, I think 15 is when I started playing Street Fighter 2. Yep. Because that's kind of the origin story. But before that, you know, I was playing games nonstop. That's the only thing I did, I think. I think maybe I was on a sports team a few times during school. But other than that, I would just play games probably too much. Um, I guess it worked out. Um, oh, yeah. So playing fighting games. I was playing Street Fighter all the time, and I would just keep playing. And then I was introduced to the arcade version of Street Fighter, or going to the arcade, right? And I yeah. started doing that. And it was something different. And that's what really got me into combat, I guess. Um, the fact that you could make a game where... You could play the same character versus someone else thousands of times, and the outcomes are going to be still different, different each different each time, and that kind of imprinted some kind of DNA into me or something. Where um, you know this is kind of fun, but it's also fun to think about like strategies and how things work. Um, you know, how did they engineer this game? So it just goes you down a rabbit hole as a teenager starting to think about that but even at that time i was i was never thought i was going to be a game designer um you know i never even thought i was going to be in the game industry really um i just liked competing and playing and beating people you know it was like it was competitive competitive scene is where it started um yeah, and no, I mean, I've I've seen you know through a few comments and whatnot over the years the 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 love of the the fighting game genre in particular, and yeah, I mean a clear connection there yeah, between some of the the fo more focused work that you've done over the years professionally. Um, you just obviously touched on the fact that you didn't necessarily think that that was going to be a pathway towards getting into game design and game development in the first place. But what was that moment for you where maybe you realised okay, this is an opportunity because there's you've got history in in testing and QA, but at what point did you actually begin to realize 
this is a genuine profession. This is something I'm interested in, and maybe I've got the skill set that can actually allow me to to enter this space. That's a interesting one. You know, I was working on SpongeBob SquarePants Pixar game yep. with Heavy Iron Studios. Um, you know, that was that was a great entry into game development. Uh, before that, as you mentioned, I was in testing, um, so I got a chance there to actually be in a studio working on. The development of a game and then i slowly uh kind of worked my way up there um you know even at that point i wasn't thinking about combat fighting games and if there's something involved where i could use those skills i guess yeah um that i did that i did not know i had um so the story is one time i was working there i got a message from somebody i knew from the fighting game industry uh his name's derek daniels he's yep. a big OG fighting game combat worked on God of Wars. Um, and he said, you know, you should try out or interview for, uh, we got a spot at Sony Santa Monica, like a junior combat designer for God of War three. Um, and it kind of blew my mind and all like, yeah, you're working on SpongeBob. That's great, but you should try out, you know, try to align yourself more with what your background is, which is fighting games and kind of having that intuition. Um, so they kind of give me my first shot, Eric Williams and uh, and Derek Daniels. Um, that was my first shot into like the transition from fighting game scene into professional combat development. That that's that's huge. And yeah, I mean, going from uh, look, I don't want to disparage SpongeBob or anything like that, but to 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 make a jump like that is it's not a small leap. So it's awesome they they identified that within you and that the opportunity was there and something you're able to take uh just i guess focusing a bit more on the the qa and testing side of it you tested numerous games i, I took a bit of a look at a uh, bit of a look at list there i think maybe games was really helpful for me uh and i mean there's there's lots of games covering lots of platforms from things like the game boy color there's uh, you know several nintendo platforms through the 64 and the gamecube ps1 ps2 pc there's there's ranges of different uh, games across lots of different platforms there did you have any cuz there's there's a lot that gets said about qa uh, coming from a host of different perspectives, we hear good stories, we hear unfortunate stories sometimes as well. What were some of your experiences through QA, and uh, do you have any particular favorite projects that you got to work on? Because the, I guess the the nature of the work is is a bit different to I guess what other aspects of actually developing a game can be. Still incredibly important, but it's a very different approach. Did you have any particular favorites or highlights along the way? When I worked in QA, I was working for THQ, which was the publisher yeah. side, right? So I would test, as you've seen in my credits, I had like 30 plus credits for, for testing, and I would test various games, not at once, but, you know, one week I could be on one game, yeah. game A, and next week I could be on game B, um, or even half the day do one game. Um, I don't know if I had a favorite. I'm trying to think back. That was a while back, but um, I just enjoyed breaking games. I was pretty good at breaking the game. You know, that Which was is what they're looking my, for, right? Yeah. Uh, breaking the game, finding weird bugs, finding text bugs, you know, even stuff in the legal screen. I was just good at doing that. So they kind of recognized that and they just allowed me to kind of free roam and test kind of how I wanted to. I was going to school at the same time. So sometimes I wasn't even full time. Um, but the games I think I like testing the most were like... Uh, Kind of these cutesy like i worked on rugrats i tested yeah. one of those and it's just fun to like try to get the player to go somewhere where they can't or break a mechanic or make chucky do know. something that chucky really shouldn't be doing yeah try to get <laughs> out the world you know all the stuff you see on youtube nowadays where you're breaking the game or you're doing speed runs 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, and even now, right? Testers, that's their job, right? So it was just mind blowing that I could get paid to do that pretty well, actually, for the time, you know, go to school. You know, I had a boss, but I mean, it was all just me in the game. And yeah. It, it felt pretty liberating that you could actually, I guess that was my first, like, oh, you could actually make money being Doing work in, in games. the game industry. Yeah, working in games. Um, not really playing games, because playing and testing are two totally different things. But the fact that I could interact with the game, get paid, it was pretty eye-opening, even though at the time I was going to school, going to school for something else. Um, and so how did that testing opportunity first actually emerge for you in the first place? As you say, you're obviously uh, in school for something completely different. But uh, how did how did you go? I mean, I guess you were doing the two simultaneously for a period. But how did that opportunity emerge and what made you think, okay, this is something I need to take on? When I was working at THQ, there were other testers and people within THQ, they had like a hierarchy. There's producers yeah. and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh, moving up in the business world. I didn't really understand that. And like how that worked. I'm like, yeah, I'm good at testing, but is this something which you can't do for a career, but that's not something that's not the path I wanted to go by, uh, go down by. So there was a opportunity to test on site with the developer, uh, of the Rugrats of the, SpongeBob games and the Pixar games, Heavy Iron Studios, uh, which was a good studio. It was a great studio. They made good games. Um, so I took that opportunity and I was picked along a few others um, to go down there yeah. on site um, eight hours a day. And that was a new experience because I get to test and talk to the developers at the same time and, you know, build those kind of skills. So um, I can't remember exactly if I was picked or if I just went and asked and said, okay, you could go. So, but long story short, I was given the opportunity. I took it. Um, and then from there, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I moved in. Yeah. Then from there, after we test her on SpongeBob, the movie, I think, or SpongeBob bikini bottom, I was doing something in their editor in my off time, showing them like a little level and like a little sequence with like bounce pads or something. Yeah. Um, and the lead, designer looked at that and said oh there's some potential here and then next thing you know i'm doing i think audio implementation and then after that i get my first job as a game designer and that'd be on the likes Work. of the incredibles rise of undermine and ratatouille yeah right? yeah exactly yep so uh, obviously we've we've touched on then how that opportunity emerged to to pivot over and and to to join the team at santa monica um as we touched on, obviously, not to discredit any of those titles that we've just touched on, but obviously in terms of the scale nope. within the video game landscape, enormously different. Uh, there was obviously so much uh, hype and excitement off the back of God of War 2 and what that was going to eventually become. Uh, we had obviously some of the spin-offs that were going on on the PSP as well. So what was it like when you've you've had this opportunity, you've taken on the job, and then was there a moment where you've just realized what you've signed yourself up for in terms of the scope and the sc size, the scale, the importance to PlayStation, etc.? Well, in the interview, because it wasn't a foregone conclusion, but yeah. like Eric and Derek just got me an interview, and the interview was the most stressful, nerve-wracking interview of my life, and I probably failed it, to be honest, but I think Eric saw... The potential in me um i was a horrible interviewer i'm probably not that much greater now but um no i'm with you i'm horrible at it if, I, if i'm yeah. focused i start to stumble and stammer yeah i'm not great even i mean i 
now I, um, I know how to handle it more by preparing and like, you know, cause I'm wiser, but still back then pretty nerve wracking. Um, he went on a limb for me, Eric Williams. And he, you know, he, he, they took a chance on me, I would say. So, and once I got in, you know, I think I did all right. Um, but my, I remember my first day I sat next to Eric. He was the lead combat designer at the time. I got yeah. over three and I was next to him and there was a whole like set of process and things training, like two weeks training, I think, um, just to understand the tools. Cause this is all new to me, right? This of course. Is yeah. Very much different than my last job at uh, heavy iron studios. Um, not to mention how they job. want to design combat in, in God of war, those sort of things. There's the, yeah. the stylistic component as well as the technical component. Yep. And the, you know, it's a big budget game. Um, development of SpongeBob was like probably half or even less the time of what God of war three would be. Um, the team's like four times bigger or something. So, you know, I get in there, I'm a combat designer, junior combat designer. I got one, I'm going to own like this little enemy and I'm going to work on that thing for six months. Right. So that's, that's like the big difference between what I did before and what I'm doing at Sony Santa Monica and God of yeah. war three. Um, so, I mean, but there was a lot of training. There was a whole process that Eric had about, you know, learning the tools, just not even doing any real work for the first few weeks, learning on a dummy character, breaking it down, de deconstructing it, rebuilding it. He would review it. So, like, there was, it was like going back to school a little bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a whole new skill set that you're learning. Yep. Uh, and obviously, I mean, again, just connecting the, the previous job to the then current one, you've obviously worked on a lot of licenses up to that point. As, as you mentioned, Disney, Pixar, those, those sorts of titles. And then all of a sudden you're working on, I mean, it's established at that point, but it is an original IP. It is a, a game focused yeah. IP. In terms of, I guess, a freedom that that brings, no, no strings attached, nothing, no constraints from the, the big governing overhead bodies. Did that have any sort of bearing? I, I know the combat folks, uh, some of the things that you were focusing on may not necessarily be a concern within the, the license space as well. But I mean, was there a freedom that comes with the fact that there's no strings, we're not attached to anything. We don't have that body that's going to breathe down our neck and say, Oh, you can't do that to this character, et cetera, et cetera. Well, actually God or had its own established rules by then. Like if you think about it, it was God or three, right. And there was already a franchise. And um, I remember on my first week, there was like this list of Kratos rules, kind of God of war rules, like literally a list of like, how he's supposed to behave, you know, how, how's his tone, his personality. And that really applied to kind of everything you worked on, right? Even on the enemies, right? He's a brutal player. You have to kind of meet brutality with brutality. And that's kind of yeah. like your guiding light. And, you know, a lot of stuff was already designed on paper for God of War 2. And then that was already in paper stuff that I would just look at a paper design that was approved or whatever. And I would just you know, coming in as a junior, you're just going to put your head down. Here's the design on paper. Now you're going to work with animation, programming, effects, and whatever to, to make that real and be in the game, right? So there were actually a lot of rules and constraints, but that was something that I think made me a better designer. I think that makes anybody a better designer or yeah, developer. Course. Like, here's a, here's a series of, here's a box that you have to work within. You know, there's a time, you know, there's only a limited amount of time you have to make the game things to work on so i mean that's always going to come with the territory i think yeah i guess total freedom can actually be a, a hindrance sometimes where we're versus working with at least a few constraints whatever those might happen to be uh there's, there's a few things that you've cited over over the journey in terms of your work with god of war that um i, I guess are maybe personal highlights for you things like uh, hades for example um 
I guess what what goes into some of that work, and what what makes that stick out to you? I guess in retrospect, there, there's so many That's great things about the, those encounters. I might add purely on the the consumer side, but uh, in terms yeah, of hate. you know working on it, what was so yeah, great about that? Hades, Boss, and God of War Three was amazing. So kind of what I mentioned, there was a fully fleshed out paper design. That's kind of the process they had, um, which was vetted, iterated on, right? Went through many iterations. And then God of War Three, Adam Poole was the lead. I think he started because I was just coming up as a junior, right? Yeah. They're not going to give a boss. They're not going to give that boss straight up to a junior that's only been there three months, right? So there's a risk associated with months. that. Yeah, so you know, I got to train up. I got to work my way towards that. But in the before that, it was Adam Poole who was who got the boss up and running, stood up is what we called it, um, to block out form where you could play through it. Yeah, um, some of it's there, some of it's not. Um, and then you know things got busy, and it gradually comes I online. Was, yeah, I was lucky enough to be put on that and like help finish it. I'd say it's probably fifty, sixty percent of the way there, and. Nowhere near done, but and the hardest part is finishing it, obviously, or one of the hardest parts. Um, so that was my big kind of like transition from uh, working on a little tiny puppy, brutal puppy dog to <laughs> working on this boss, which I didn't design it. Although you have to iterate when you're working on it, right? Because yeah, on paper sure. versus versus iterating on it, it's going to change. So yeah, there's things that work you know. that seem seem great on paper, but don't necessarily translate. Yeah. So. You know, a little bit of design, a lot of implementation, but implementation's just difficult. So, I mean, there's not a lot of things that uh, I think you know have been left alone and not necessarily given the respect they've deserved from God of War Three. But is there uh, is there anything, or from Ascension, I might add, is there anything from either of those games that that you had a you know, at least a significant hand in that you feel like really a favorite things that perhaps aren't acknowledged like they perhaps should be? And again, they're, they're both games are you know highly yeah, celebrated, yeah. so I'm sure I'm sure they've all been pumped up at various different stages. But anything that you feel like maybe maybe I doesn't get most stuff was a, I think it was acknowledged. Yeah, it's hard to think about what didn't get its due. It's all relative. But I worked on the rideable creatures in God of War Three. Um, you know that was a process to make them feel like the player is actually commanding Kratos to command them, right? So there's making that feel good. Um, but I think those are pretty well received. Um, on Ascension, I did work on the hero, and I did a lot of the. I mean, I did the hero, and I think a lot of the magic system. Yep. Turned out pretty good. You know, it's like he had four elemental blades, and each one had unique special moves and unique uh, super moves that were based on the personality of each element. Uh, that's something Eric Williams actually he was consulting on that game. I think at the point we were working together. Um, working on those together so that was that was pretty cool now that i mean that sounds awesome um in terms of i guess the 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 broader thing of working at at santa monica and working on and god of war titles and you you may not be in a position to necessarily say too much about this there were were, and maybe there's nothing to say in the first place there were certainly rumblings externally whether it was true or false that there was something else going on within the studio there that may or may not have been cancelled did if you're in a position to say anything at all, did you have anything to do with that whatsoever? And feel free, obviously, to <laughs> shoot me down if need be. I'm trying to think what was made public. Well, I mean, it's not a secret that I was laid off on one of the canceled projects. Yeah. So I am a victim of that. But, you know, I'd say I'd say we're close to turning the corner on that. But, you know, it's a business as well. So, you know, you learn from that. 
Um, There's always what ifs. Yeah, I try not to do what ifs, but I mean, it makes you realize as a developer, you know, it's a business and sometimes, you know, the developers, they try their hardest, right? It's just sometimes things don't work out because games are not easy to make, especially these big games, right? With there's hundreds of people working on it and, you know, you don't have unlimited time. So yeah, sometimes things just don't work out. Um, I guess the the interesting thing and what I guess there's not a lot that is known about the project, uh, but Stig was supposedly working on that, and obviously you said you laid off there. But your next next step became respawn at this point. Uh, how did I, I guess you know through work on God of War three? Because uh, as a lot of people know, Stig was uh, a key player in that one. There was was there a bit of a I mean obviously you're working with the guy anyway, but was there a bit of a relationship there that helped? connect the dots and bring you two together when it came to joining Respawn and then eventually working on Jedi Fallen Order? Would you say that was kind of an important relationship in making that jump or? I don't know if important. Obviously, we worked together on God of War 3 extensively um, once he became game director and, you know, we, combat team works, I mean, everybody works directly closely with the game director, but I mean, we would have meetings all the time, review stuff. Um, I was like for three, four years. So, yeah. I mean, definitely a relationship there. And Stig is a good leader and how he treats people, you know, very genuine. Um, you know, he's definitely understands how game, the artistic side of it, but also he was becoming a game director and he had a good vision about the whole game should be. So, you know, it was just good working with him and trust him and, you know, do our part to make the game are part of the game good combat right so it was a great experience so when i heard stig was going to respawn and then that was after i got laid off or the whole team got laid off on that one project was okay i mean i did take a little break just to get some decompression but you know you want to work with people you work with and you trust and then try to build something again right so yeah yeah um, it was a good opportunity Obviously, layoffs never never fun for anyone. So obviously, as you said, you just took a little bit of time there. What was what was going through your mind at the time? Because it, I mean, a, a layoff typically is a very sudden thing. You may not necessarily know it's coming until all of a sudden it's it's on your doorstep. What was what was going through your mind at that time, considering the work that you'd just done and and you know, I mean the acclaim that the games had reached for then things to all of a sudden come to a screeching halt like that. What was what was going through your mind personally at that point? That uh, was my first time getting laid off. That was going through my mind. Um... I was just trying to figure out what the next steps were really like, you know, definitely going to take some time off because, you know, I tend to work a lot, you know, um, I just like working Yeah. for, for better, or for worse. I like making games. So took some well needed time off. Um, I did interview in a few places, you know, things don't always work out. You're not always the, the right fit for a particular company or a particular project. Right. And that's fine. Um, I even learned some stuff interviewing with other companies, which I won't mention, but no, you know, it was fun. It was fun. You know, it's always an opportunity to, to get insight, learn, learn about people, learn about other studios, even when you just interview um, and don't get hired. That's good too. Um, eventually somehow through luck or fate, found my way back with Stig and Respawn <laughs> and, it's, you know, it's been great. And it's just like the two of you had never been apart and straight back to it. And uh, when, when did, I mean, at the point that you joined was, was star Wars, was, I guess. And what I ultimately became Jedi, was that the, was that the project at the time or was it still being worked through at that particular stage? 
there was another project and this was made public as well but yeah there was a small project a small group of us were working on that eventually became star wars um and that was just another fun time where you had a small group of people just trusted to make make something right and um that's kind of what you you can't ask for anything more than that really where you the company kind of leaves you alone they hire the right people yeah you know you work together to to make things better to solve problems um you know that's kind of how you make make some good games now, when it, when it comes to all things Star Wars, because there's a there's a big governing body, several big governing bodies over the top of all this, we'll we'll try and tread incredibly carefully <laughs> as we as we navigate this. Um, I guess once it became Star Wars, I mean, did you have much of a love for Star Wars prior to actually working on the project? I mean, in terms of the films or any of the projects that we'd kind of seen over the over the decades at this point, was there a bit of a love for Star Wars already from you, or was it something that kind of grew by working on it? probably say i'm the average fan before i started working on the star wars games i mean i watched all the movies um you know who doesn't like jedis doing cool stuff or you know shiny laser swords are cool yeah laser (laughs) swords um you know so i saw every movie so i was definitely a casual fan maybe more than a little casual um you know i was into it i think i was in more star star wars and star trek that's for sure um yeah i can i can relate to that um yeah, I mean, Star Trek's great too, but, you know, Star Wars just hits, I don't know, it kind of hits it for me in the tone and everything, um, kind of the characters and the whatever you want to think about the story. I mean, I enjoyed them all, so, you know, it's kind of a good piece of pop culture. And so, uh, as you came on board, there was there's the game design that became lead combat director, more recently, uh, the, the senior, senior director, uh, sorry, design director, I should say, um, on, on Survivor. In terms of your growth, having worked on on those games and and the, the different skill sets and the different positions, start, you know, I guess as a as a design director, there's probably a more managerial component that starts to creep in as well, a bit more overseeing and and touching base, and maybe would I be right in saying a little less hands on at points as well? What what was that like um, as you've moved through these different positions, bring bring all those skills that you developed through you know, through the work at Santa Monica, and I mean even that love of you know, Street Fighter and combat and those things that dates way back. Um, how, how did things evolve for you on that personal level as you were moving through the ranks? Yeah, when I first came to Respawn, I started out as a senior designer, senior combat designer, and you know I was doing initially all the work on that small project to implement combat, build the player, enemies, um, and this was all trying to learn Unreal 4 because yeah. I never, I always worked in the like, proprietary engine, so yeah, I had to do all that. You know, so I was fully implementing at that point. And then once Jedi Fallen Order came to be, at some point I became lead. And that's something, you know, I never thought I would want to be a lead, right? It's not something I aspired to, but it was another opportunity I took upon myself to kind of be in that role so I could help other people as much as I can. But, you know, I still did stuff in the game i still implemented so it wasn't like just all overseeing stuff i mean we're respawn you know they have a you know even managers and leads still do individual work so you know which i think is good you get to understand kind of the tools and see what are the things that need to be improved because you're actually doing some of the work as well the project yeah yeah you're still connected so i kind of like that 
duality of that of managing and also being a contributor uh but in survivor maybe i did too much contribution because it was you know i worked a lot but you know i don't regret it really but i had to oversee much more as a director as you can imagine yeah. um you know managing my team yeah the titles come with some responsibilities yeah, and there's two design directors, me, which is more gameplay combat, and then there's Jeff, which is world and level, and we complement each other pretty good. So, but together, along with other leadership, we look at the whole game. So, I'm not only focusing on combat, but at the same time, I kind of manage the combat team. So, yeah, kind of juggling, juggling all these these plates. Um, but it was fun. So obviously, obviously, you say you know, felt like maybe you did a little bit too much there at points. Was that just the, as you said, you you like to work and you know you like keeping kind of again connected to the the project there? Was that just that desire to not only you know manage manage and delegate and and connect a lot of different disparate threads, but also just that constant desire to I don't know, maybe keep your skills engaged as well? Yeah, it's the craft. You know, it's like I like going into the engine, and also yeah. I'm not one like hiring is a, is a hiring somebody hiring people, right? Hiring developers is takes a while. Right. So there's certain things to look for and there's certain things that need to like be met. So it's like, you know, you kind of balance of like who you hire, how many, how many people you hire and you know, how much work am I going to do? Um, but I like the craft of making stuff. So, you know, I don't think I could stop doing that yeah. unless somebody forces me to stop. Um, <laughs> So, but I, you know, delegation is a big part of it. There's a, we have a strong combat team that, you know, works on the player. You know, I didn't do any of that. I didn't make yeah. the player. I didn't make all the stances, um, boss designers, enemy designers, skill tree designers. So, you know, I help out where I can. I might take a chunk that really isn't something that's totally important for someone else. Cause I want them to grow as much as possible. So, yeah. but there's, there's, there's no shortage of work to go around. So I just kind of took, to grab, grab what you can to help so, out yeah although i do tune the global difficulty there's like all these numbers i could tune because we have five difficulties yeah. um so just kind of a spreadsheet and i'll tune tune those play the game um so there are some things i'm still like in charge of in terms of like ownership there so so obviously i mean both games have been incredibly well received and, and you've worked on both games in different capacities but i guess what did you learn the most from I guess really any of your works, even you know, dating back to say the uh, say God of War games, for example, that you were able to translate and would you know provide a transferable knowledge that you could bring with you to to Jedi Fallen Order, and then then of course Survivor as well. Because I mean, even if we look at say Star Wars versus God of War, there's there like at that top level, you can say okay, third person combat those things, but then they're very very different in terms of how that is actually delivered. Um, what was transferable from say God of War to Fallen Order, and then of course upon reflection on Fallen Order through to survivor mm -hmm. that's a good question uh there's some basic fundamentals like melee combat um like in god of war you know just the training the teaching there from that culture of that studio is about focusing on one thing try to make it as good as possible um get iteration get feedback right get that loop in communicate with people you know get get the hard conversation sometimes of like why is it not fun then you try to make it fun, play test, right? So there's kind of that mindset yeah. that I think carried over. Um, and that's a large part through Sony culture, right? Um, 
how Eric Williams ran ran the team there. Um, and then constructing constructing animations, scripting. You know, you you get better at that stuff, right? That's yeah. the stuff I learned at Sony Santa Monica. Um, even though the tools and the engine are different, fundamentally, it's still the same thing of how to author animations, how to play with frames, um, what makes a hit feel good. Um, yes. It's kind of all the same, even the style, even if the style is different, right? There's some inherent fundamentals uh, that I think. And then from Fallen Order to Survivor, I mean... Well, so both games have been incredibly well received and there's obviously yeah. you know, being directly connected. There's There's going to be a lot of similarities, but there's also opportunities to change and develop and grow and as a lot of people know who've played at this point the the scope of survivor is is much larger let alone some of the other systemic changes that have occurred as well along the way that given that we're still quite it's not been that long since the game released we'll, we'll try and be careful about waiting too deeply into those out of fear of spoiling anything for anyone but uh mm-hmm. yeah i guess i think similar sort of question yeah i think the other thing that carry over is the ownership that we give people, like at Sony Santa Monica, there was ownership for the designers. Like it was a, a lot of design driven work where, you know, you work with an animator on a certain enemy and you guys own that and you figure out how to make it work. Um, same at Respawn working on the Jedi games, you know, we have a team of, like I said, enemy designers that work with an animator and they kind of own this, this character and they make the calls, you know, they get feedback and there's yeah. a certain box they have to work in, but they're responsible for making that good, right? I'm not micromanaging them. I'm not necessarily telling them what to do, right? They have to make those decisions. I mean, I will be there to provide feedback and direction, but they're doing the work. They're they're the ones responsible for it. And that's something that I think carried over. Yeah, cool. And for for you and and your growth, and obviously we, we touched on the fact that you didn't necessarily aspire to be in leadership positions along the way but that's obviously where you've where you've ended up these days now that you've now that you've been involved in that space is that something that you would like to continue i guess going forward you know have you kind of embraced what is involved in being those sorts of positions or is you know there a point maybe in the future where you think oh look i wouldn't mind just getting a bit more hands-on all the time i mean how are you feeling about about your current i guess position and and opportunities going forward given what you've recently experienced I see my current position as, you know, a, a position to do good for others. Um, I mean, like I said, making stuff and doing the craft, I don't think I'll ever, that will ever go away or where I don't want to do it. Um, but maybe it does. But I think being in this position allows me to impart knowledge and, you know, help others, like, clear the way for them, right? Um, and just give them as much opportunity and like freedom as I can yeah. within the confines of the studio. Right. Um, so that's where I think I could be a big benefit to others. Um, you know, and being that sounding board or providing feedback. I do like doing that. I like providing feedback or playing stuff and like writing notes, you know, and, and just seeing them get better at what they're doing. Right. So, but at the same time, I do like making stuff. So, you know, if I've seen this a lot in some people where they'd be directors and they go back to principal and they just want to make stuff. Just be right? a bit I've more involved that. again. Yeah, I've, I've seen that in other companies. Uh, I've seen that internally and they want to be making stuff and pumping out stuff and there's nothing wrong with that either. So, and there's 
it's great that companies allow that um, kind of going back and forth like that if the, if the employee wants to. So it's maybe just a bit of that age and stage thing, just where you're at at the time and what you're what you're feeling and what you feel like you might need the most, which is, uh, I guess, yeah, if the studios themselves are, are flexible in that sense and are, and are able and in a position to pivot in terms of some leadership roles and those sorts of things, then, then that's fantastic for you going forward that if, yeah, you do feel like you need that itch that, you know, it's not quite not being, it's not being scratched quite like it needs to, then you're able to pivot back at any given point. Uh, I guess without showing the hand of what is to come next, uh, as as we talk and uh, in this window that we've been chatting, you've been enjoying a bit of a vacation at the moment and being able to decompress from things a little bit. For you going forward, what do things look like from here? As you know, is there a point that you've? Co- I mean, how long do you have off, and when, when are you able to? When do you start getting back into the work? How soon do you think it'll be before that itch just starts to? Regardless of the fact that I'm taking this very deliberate time to to get away from work, how, I mean, are you starting to feel that itch already? Is there something in the back of mind going, oh, okay, I could do this and I could do that, and maybe see and hear little <laughs> things coming out of the studio and. And obviously, you would have greater insight into perhaps what is coming next anyway. Um, without spoiling any of those sorts of things, where, mm-hmm. do you feel like that itch is there yet? Or I'd say this is one of the first times that I've purposely disconnected as much as I can from yeah. work. Um, I had to delete a Slack off my phone. Ooh, Nobody's ever should have Slack cool. on their phone. Don't do it. But I actually did it. And it feels amazing that, you know, I'm just enjoying my vacation um playing games um i'm actually not even thinking about what's next at all actually i'm just purposely drowning myself out and disconnected which i think is good advice for anybody that makes these type of games or spends years on one on one game right um you know I, i keep up on the industry um watch go down a rabbit hole and reddit and look at the people playing the game i still do that because that's fun um oh we see you on twitter for example you know, still sharing bits and pieces yeah, along the still, way there's still been a lot tweeting, of love for, like, for all the spawn of ogdo hype that pops up from time to time my favorite character yeah spawn <laughs> of ogdo uh so you know still still adjacently or adjacent involved but you know i think it's important to always take your vacation disconnect um even though i've had trouble disconnecting before because i'm just you know i like working but i think it doesn't scale. It doesn't scale up to do that. Yeah. At some point, right? You're going to burn yourself out, and you might not even know you're burned out. So, you know, so enjoying my vacation. Yeah, I mean, we work totally different industries, but that's certainly a feeling that I can that I can understand. Uh, there was a lot that I took on last year, and it was only when ultimately my year was cut short. I got I got COVID at the very end of the year, just before the year wrapped oh, up, sucks. which was like it was bad timing. I missed all the 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 kind of fun celebratory stuff at the end of the year, but it was only when I was forced to stop through COVID that I realized how actually exhausted and burnt out I was. And and sometimes it can be those yeah, end of project style moments or a vacation that you're either pushed into taking or that you ultimately take yourself and it's when you realize, oh wow, like I've actually I've actually thrown a lot more of myself at this than perhaps I ever realized at the time when you're in the moment. So how long does that, I mean, how long is that vacation lasting for you? How long have you actually managed to get off to, as you say, you know, enjoy consuming games and maybe diving into the bowels of reddit from time to time as well and enjoying time with the family too of course oh yeah of course um i mean i'm taking at least a month off if not more but you know a lot of people are um and they deserve it so you know we shipped what april 28th yep so you know it's it's still pretty fresh um so 
you know, I'm loving, I'm loving this. Um, Given that, it gives me even greater appreciation for the fact that you've carved out a bit of time for me amongst amongst your vacation to make this happen. So, um, oh no, this is fun. Glad to do this. So, I guess as we start to wind things down a little bit, um, I guess we'll go a bit more broader scope. We don't have to be so project focused. Uh, is there anyone that you've worked with or that you look at from afar that has really perhaps inspired you and the way you go about your work? Is it you know some of the collections of experience that you've had on the development side, some moments uh, you know prior or through the consumption of games that have really helped in, inform the way you go about your work? Uh, this, I think, this is yeah. There's a lot of people, but I think the combat team, working with the people I work with directly on the Jedi team, specifically the combat team, because that's that's the team I manage. I mean, they're a fun bunch of people. Um, they're all have their own unique they bring their own unique thing each individual person right um i've been working with some of them on both of these games so that's roughly six seven years right eight years um you know they're they got fun fresh ideas um they're also you know we sometimes even hang out outside of work so there's a there's a relationship there um you know as a group you know, they inspire me in terms of like how they approach their designs and, you know, how they each have their own unique perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just great working with these guys. Is um, there anyone you've been, you know, looked at from afar that maybe you've not yet had the opportunity to work work with and you look, okay, like I really love the way person X goes about doing this thing that maybe you've maybe been able to see from afar and maybe get a bit more insight into perhaps than the the standard consumer of games for example but that mm-hmm. you know, really you know you like to try model maybe a few ideas on let me think about that one um i don't know if this is a great answer but when i'm that's right working on a game i'm like just focused on the game you're in your own lane you know i'm in my own yeah i'm in my own just tunnel tunnel vision for the most part, um, working with the team, my team. But, you know, it's a small industry and it's hard not to look at God of War and, you know, I used to work there and I know Eric, the yeah. game director, and he has been a mentor to me. You know, he, like I mentioned, he, him and Derek helped me get into the combat uh, field. So I'm always keeping up on what they're doing, you know, uh, reading watching all the interviews and sometimes we text each other and you know might mention a few things but you know always trying to keep up on because i'm in there's a lot of studios out here right there's yes. insomniac there's sony santa monica um, to name a few yeah, it's a busy doing, area it's a busy area they're doing similar games and you know you hear things and it's fun sometimes there's meetups um you know, so it's just good to, it's like healthy competition. So always trying to keep up like what they're doing. Um, That's but yeah, really cool. to answer your, to answer your question, I think I'm usually just focused on what I'm working on. You know, like I, there's so much responsibility and just gratification working on these games and working with all these people on the team. Right. So it's like, I don't have to look far to see, like to be inspired or like, you know, get new ideas and stuff. So. I mean, and the and the reality is, and you've, uh, I guess, even the nature of some of the projects you've worked on, I feel like maybe you know, supports this. Is sometimes, I mean, you know, God of War, you obviously inherited a, a set of rules. There's a lot of other, in a lot of other cases, there's established licenses that you've already worked on, which have their own 
constraints um, built into those. There's cert- um, certainly there'd be things that you can do within the Star, War- Star Wars landscape that you can't do in God of War or vice versa. Um, and that's just the sheer nature of the project. So I guess it, it could get to a point where you might see something that someone you know, completely external to the studio is working on. And you're like, I love the way they do it. And I'd love to be able to work with that, you know, bring that sort of approach to this, but maybe it's not compatible. And so really, I think it becomes a case and you, I feel like you've kind of hit the nail on the head there in terms of, well, it's, it's really got to serve the project itself. And if it's not going to serve the project, then it can be the best idea in the world, but it's actually not, yeah, just simply not compatible with this particular thing that we're doing. I mean, everybody's going to look at yeah other forms of media or other games and, you know, you can't ignore stuff and ideas and anything that's out there and you're always going to have a, it's going to add to your, your bag of ideas and your intuition and your creativity, right. And your experience. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, it's got to fit with what you're working on. Cause if you just take one idea and wholesale, just put it in into another game, yeah. you know, it's not going to work, right. You have to make sure it's, it's working with the box that you're given. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what have been some of the most valuable lessons or experiences you've had over the journey? Anything that really sticks in your mind? It's, it's always kind of there. It's on the wall. It's kind of you know, 101 rule for Jason. Don't forget to do, this and and it's been really important for you and i guess that really extends to the fact that you have taken on more leadership stuff these days so it's a different skill set entirely anything that's really stuck out at you yeah a few things if you can imagine um you want to hear all the criticism you want to hear people's thoughts right how you're leading on the game you know from other departments um you don't want to stifle any of that. You want to have an open forum as much as possible to hear criticisms and hear ideas to make things better. Yeah. Um, and sometimes on a personal level, you may not want to hear it, right? You may need to hear it's it. human nature. It's yeah. It's human nature that, you know, you know, you're, you may not be in the mood to hear something or you, you're really focused on the other ideas going to make it through or something, but you know, that's just the selfishness talking sometimes. So like, I think, being able to hear all forms of criticism that's constructive at least and being able to understand how to process that and use it um because you can't always act on every piece of feedback so that's one skill i sure. think i've learned you always want to listen you want to figure out what the actual problem is and what's is there a solution or does it need to be solved um that's like a big one i think once i moved in more into a leadership role um no that's uh, that's fantastic so I guess some lighter ones as we wrap up now, as we've touched on, you are amidst a vacation at the moment. Yeah, as, you, as you've mentioned, you are playing a few games at the moment. Now, are you one of the, the millions around the world right now that are completely absorbed by Tears of the Kingdom or is there something else that you've been playing as well? I just started Tears of the Kingdom, so I'm definitely not... I'm still on the tutorial island probably, so I barely started that. Um, Darn, you and me both at this point. Yeah, just trying to find the time. And sometimes, you know, I just want to play threes on my ipad or something yep. so you know um or street fighter 6 beta i think open beta just came out so i'm gonna it download did, yeah. that um, i've just seen I'm a few messages back. even popping up in my slack whilst <laughs> whilst we're chatting right now so this is a this is terrible but I've actually been playing survivor oh that's fine you're more than, uh, more uh, than entitled the, to enjoy the, your own work for the hundredth time but playing on the ps5 just trying to get through it so I could get um, New Game Plus again um, on the retail version. So, and then maybe I'll 
and sometimes as you see on twitter i'll make a few videos to highlight a few things people may or may not know um which i find fun to do sometimes um I mean, I, I certainly recall one of those, one of a uh, few previous, you know, large threads that you've done in the past about some game design things. And I mean, I, I don't make games. I like to consume them. I critique them for reviews and those sort of things, but it's a totally different skill yep. set to actually understand and, you know, be a part of it. And, I, and I've sat there and read through those and have been absolutely riveted by the things that you shared. And, and when there's been video to compliment, it really helps kind of extend my own understanding as well. It's, it's been yep. really, really insightful. So as well as clearly being a little bit enjoyable for yourself, I, I feel like I speak on behalf of many, many people that like, thank you for putting those out there. They are really, really insightful and we really enjoy them. I oh, appreciate that. Try to give back. Um, actually been playing Mario Kart a lot with my kids. Um, it's always good. And my kid has gotten so much better than me. He <laughs> plays. He knows all the shortcuts. Uh, he knows all the little tricks. He knows how to configure his cart to min max, you know, acceleration, oh, weight. Yeah, he's he's a monster. So um, I try to play that, you know, when they're playing to spend time with them, but also socialize through a game, which is I think is incredible um might be time to put some constraints on the kids though and say okay you can't use this you can't use the wiggly you can't do that yeah. because at this point i need a handicap yeah <laughs> just to level the but, level the ground again but actually yeah tons of mario kart is is the answer to what i've been doing usually and it's it's fun playing playing with the family so uh, kudos do you get kudos as many opportunities when you're actually amidst normal development and i'm sure there's there's certain periods where maybe things get a little bit busier and it's just not feasible to be able to do that but do you do you typically find many opportunities to actually sit and, and purely consume? When I'm working on a project, I'm usually playing games to reverse engineer an idea yeah. or something or to just, you know, see kind of how another game does something we may, like a similar thing, um, just just to be smart, right? You want to research yeah. stuff that has existed and do like a comparison, right? A compare and contrast Um but when I'm on a project, I'm really not playing much. Like I'm not spending 30 hours on a game yeah. if I'm on a project. So no, that's that's totally fair enough. It's the work is all consuming as it is, and as as we've said a few times, there's there's family and lots of other important responsibilities in life to to make sure that you can savor as well. So totally don't blame yep. me in the slightest there. Um, yeah, some some light ones as we wrap things up. Is there any game, and it can be in any capacity, that you would just love to have been somehow credited for, to have been in part responsible for? And it can be as simple <laughs> as a special thanks. Uh, but is there just a game that you just you look at and you just wish, gee, I wish I could have had something to do with that? Or maybe because there's a particular component that you just think so well done, and like I wish I could have done that. <laughs> I could, uh, you know, I don't know if I cared about a credit, but. You know, the Batman games, the Arkham games yep. are always fun, really fun, um, even though they're not technically... They're a different type of Melee game, but they're always fun to play. Um, can't imagine working on that, but, I mean, that would have been that would have been interesting. Um, Spider-Man game, those were cool. Yep. Um, the Insomniac Spider-Man games. Um, kind of see a pattern here. Melee action. Melee, melee action, action games. still a few more yeah. established licenses. Uh, licensed games, yeah, I like licensed action games like you know there's a lot of cool marvel stuff or dc stuff i mean something draws me to those type of games because there's this this hero you can latch on to or there's this world or this fantasy and i think i like having that box as a designer you know this is this is something where you could draw from that's what makes star wars kind of compelling you could draw from 30 years of all this content that already exists and you can kind of make it fit with what you're trying to do and 
I think as a designer, I like that approach. I think that's that's fun to kind of have those constraints and kind yeah. of like how do you how do you meld and shape something to still feel like Star Wars or that license, for example, but also put your spin on it. And I think that's just as compelling as maybe doing something completely from scratch. So. No, that, that's fair, and I mean, like you know, things licenses—they're they're typically licenses because they've got something inherently cool about them as well, which can make them yeah. more appealing as well. So, don't blame you in the slightest there. Um, if you could go back and replay any game, strike it from your memory, and get to play a game completely blind, is there a game that you just love to have that experience with again, playing it for the first time? Mm, good question. Um... And would that would that extend? To, I mean, obviously, you just mentioned you're playing Survivor at the moment. Would you know? Would that extend to a game that you've actually previously worked on yourself? We like I, I've had all of this work. I've been in the weeds though for so long. I'd love to be able to play that without having actually had anything to do with it. You know the old Tomb Raiders. Oh yeah. You know, like Tomb Raider one and Tomb Raider two. I, yeah, the PS one moments. Yeah, when you're. Those moments of just like dread and being alone and like stumbling on a cave with a giant dinosaur, those were groundbreaking to me as a younger person. Um, you know, just that discovery. If I could go back and reset my brain and play those for the first time, like even now, I think it would be pretty cool. Uh, I mean, I've gone back and played those semi recently and oh, maybe in the last two years potentially, and I couldn't believe that I actually managed to play them back in the day. <laughs> because you, you bra- yeah. your brain has become so hardwired around kind of the way we play yep. today that then stripping yep. a lot of that back is is increasingly hard. And I go, how, how like I don't think my I don't think my skills as a gamer, quote unquote, have at necessarily atrophied over the years. So how did I do this when I was a kid? And it's it's just a total different way of thinking sometimes. Yeah, things things have changed. How they, like the modern feel of some games for better or for worse, right? If you go back and play those older games, but you know, as like you said, as a kid or teenager somehow somehow we get through able able to do it and like do them expertly and like you know and it didn't feel like you were didn't feel like you're fighting the game right it feels like you're immersed so i somehow managed to beat battle toads back in the day but i could never do that oh that was amazing too yeah could never do that now i mean the mario games mario one and three super mario one three i mean revelatory experiences First time you fly with the raccoon suit, whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, those, those are formative moments. You know, there's so many formative moments, but, you know, there's part of nostalgia in childhood that you can't replicate when you're old like me. So, <laughs> um, And so I guess on that note, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and, and uh, for you to share this journey so far. It's been, it's been awesome to hear about it. As I touched on before, and you spoke of yourself there's these amazing threads that you've put together over the last uh, over the last few years that people should absolutely check out if they're looking to learn more about the the art of not only your design but the way you kind of reflect on on what we're seeing from from others as well really really fascinating uh, twitter threads so go check all those out you'll learn a ton from it as as i feel like i have i still don't think i could ever do it myself but who knows maybe one day never know Um, never know uh, but it's, it's been fantastic to have you on board and so if people want to see more of what you're up to learn more about future projects etc where should people go best place to go is obviously Twitter Twitter of Jason DeHarris at Twitter or yeah my name's last name's sometimes hard to spell but Jason DeHarris at Twitter or JasonDeHarris.com 
don't worry, all the details for everyone uh, will be in the the show notes there, so you can so you can make sure you can go and uh, I mean you'll get the spelling exactly as you need it to be. It's uh, yep. not as not as complicated as you're making it out to be. I would say. Okay. So, um, so people, please make sure to go and check that out. As I said, Jason, thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing the journey so far. Well, thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Jason's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.